Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. It may have been the international break, but plenty has been going on. Brentford have a new manager. We'll be talking about that. They are Saturday's opponents of Bristol City. We'll also look ahead to the Hull game next week on Wednesday evening at Ashton Gate. We'll be talking about the keeper crisis for Bristol City. Max O'Leary's time to step up. Nicky Mypar out injured. Frank Fielding unwell. We'll get Lee Johnson's thoughts on that and reflect on England in the international break too. So, uh, Greg, well, let's just start with Saturday's opponents, then Brentford. They, at the time of speaking, are a managerless, just waiting to confirm that they will more than likely be appointing Thomas Frank as their new boss, who has been working behind the scenes at uh, Brentford. He's been there since December 2016. Uh, he managed Bromby. He managed some of the Denmark youth teams as well. How good a timing is it for Bristol City to be playing Brentford, given this situation at their club? Um, I'm not sure it's a huge, huge thing, um, Dean Smith going straight away in it. Everybody will be expecting maybe there to be a bit of an effect on the bees. I'm not sure that that necessarily happens in football so much. I think that might happen further down the line. But I suppose, yeah, if you're going to go there and there's going to be a new man in charge, then it might give you a bit of a boost, maybe psychologically just even. And uh, yeah, as you as you said there, I think we both understand it's going to be Thomas Frank. And I think, yeah, I, do, I, I don't think there'll be too much difference straight away. They're obviously going to go, well, from what we understand, make an internal appointment. So try and keep things running on an even keel there. And they've had a good start to the season. Brentford generally has just slipped up a bit recently. But it's going to be a tough game. and They've drawn a lot of games there recently. A hell of a lot of games. I mean, Bristol City's form is worse. But they're both winless in five, if you look at it in a positive light. And Brentford, like you said, they had a fantastic start. But then if you look at who they've been drawing with, well, Leeds United they drew with. But there have been a lot of draws recently for Brentford. Obviously, Bristol City's form is better. But given all these draws they've had... Again, a good time to play them. It's not like they're on a, a five-game streak of winning games or anything, is it? No, they started the season brilliantly, didn't mm. they? And, I mean, I watched them against uh, Aston Villa when it was on Sky, and that was a great game, end-to-end. And I thought, yeah, Brentford really impressed me in that match, actually, uh, even though Villa didn't look too bad either. And, yeah, and it, obviously they've got the league's top scorer, Neil Mopay, up for I was going to say, how do they keep him quiet? Well... <laughs> It would be good if, if they could get Thomas Callis back. I don't think he's going to be quite ready, unfortunately, mm. for this weekend. But he, he's been a big loss recently. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be up to Nathan Baker to step in and uh, alongside Adam Webster and the two of them. have got to have a better game, oh. certainly, than they did against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, we've had this two-week break, so do you think Nathan Baker has got that mistake out of his head, even though Lee Johnson said it was offside? Do you think he's got that slip, that, that error against Lucas Shaw out of his head now and he just wants to go out there and prove, I suppose what he can do and in, is that the way he's going to be thinking would you think as a player is that what they want to do not dwell on these moments or can it be that that's still in the back of his mind and he's wary that he doesn't want to do it again 
Yeah, it could be a most motivational factor. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to prove you wrong and uh, that I can do it. I, I think it might be something like that. It's probably important to say that against Rotherham, the two centre-backs were ex- excellent, both Webster and Baker. Yeah, not so against Sheffield Wednesday. That happens, you know, it's a long old season. No player is brilliant every single game of the season. Um, every player makes mistakes, especially defenders. In fact, uh, I think that's how they sort of measure um, defenders and how good they are, basically how few mistakes they mm. make. So, yeah. So it's a hard life being a defender. You don't remember all the chances that strikers miss. Well, apart from, apart from the one that Shiju missed in the last game, but you don't, you know, let's say um, a striker has sort of five shots and they score two. You know, it's a difference. They're still a hero, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. It's so di- they're still man of the match, aren't they? I always used to remember Andy Cole, for me, he used to have so many chances, former, obviously, Bristol City striker, had so many chances. He did. In, uh, it's like Suarez. Yeah. But, um, but he still scored so many as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. But, yeah, in terms of City, yeah, Nathan's got to get out of his system and bounce back with a good performance. And he is capable of it. We saw it last season. I mean, he was a fundamental part of the team that did really well in the Carabao Cup run against the likes of Man United and Manchester City. So he can mix it with the really best of players. So he's, he's got to pluck that form from out of himself and uh, bounce back. Mm. And how... how- important is it for Bristol City to get a win on Saturday to end this sort of winless run they're on? I think it's very important however I think it's going to be very tough and I can't see it happening I think a point would be very good and if you remember last season they did get a point didn't they Mm -hmm. right at the very end Bobby Mm -hmm. Reid with um, a great late strike that saw the whole coaching team, I remember, running down the line. I remember Adam Baker screeching as well from the press box uh, with delight. And yeah, if they could do something similar, then uh, then that would be great. Well, just one thing on that. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Lee sets the team up because obviously he had three at the back against Sheffield United, which I thought really worked really well at mm. home. And against Brentford last season at home they were comprehensively outplayed in fact they were outplayed for both the home and away games in the league for me last season Mm. and I remember asking Lee Johnson about it after the game at Griffin Park and Lee took a bit of umbrage with um, what I'd said he didn't agree with me that they'd been outplayed even though I thought that Brentford bossed territory and possession and looked the more likely to score had the more chances so it's going to be interesting to see how he sets the team up and I wouldn't be surprised if yeah they go back to three at the back or have three in the midfield. It's it's a team that doesn't pick itself. I mean, if you think about the first half of last season, Bristol City, it was pretty much nailed on positions for you know eight, nine, ten of those positions. But this season, it doesn't seem so much. Okay, you're probably here with Marlon Pack and Josh Brownhill, and then Adam Webster with Nathan Baker this week, and that picks itself. Nicky Minepar, but all the other spots, wouldn't you say they're up for grabs? Yeah, probably Jack Hunt is probably nailed on for right-back, isn't he, with Pisano injured at the moment. Uh, Kelly, yes, probably nailed on for left-back. The only fly in the ointment is that he's played these two games for England under 20. That's what I was about to say, because he's played twice now in this international break. So do you think Lee Johnson might look just to someone that has... I mean, who would you put there? Who, who would you put there that in the left-back position or would you go 3-5-2? Jada Silva could come in but then it's the same problem. With but then he's been, been on playing. an under-21 yeah. duty. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, he played. Uh, but, yeah, it's the same problem there. So, it's probably likely that Lloyd Kelly is going to keep his place and, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same competition for places out wide, isn't it? And, yeah. But up front doesn't pick itself either. 
you know, last season it would have been Bobby Reid and Fumara Gigi when Gigi was fit automatically. But this season, there's not a striker that is definitely starting. I mean, Andreas Weinmann was on the bench last time. I think Weinmann will definitely come in, though. I think he's probably the most guaranteed of the three. Jeju was looking so good over pre-season, coming back into the team. I, he's not he's not done very well, I think, being rotated. I'm not sure whether that, that's worked well for him. Maybe he needs to be given a run of games to get back to to match sharpness mm. and, and, and sticking those chances away. Yeah, it's a difficult one though, isn't it? Because Matty Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, he's done really well when he's come in and arguably the teams look better when Taylor's been involved. He's got that energy, hasn't he? Yes, I mean, I know yeah. Vyman has that energy as well, but then you've got the problem, you know, that Lee Johnson says they've got to score the perfect goal because they've got two small men up front. And then you've got Jimmy Patterson as well to add into the equation. So the options are there. Is it just that it's not quite clicking at the moment and a quarter of the way through the season might we expect to see it clicking more no I don't think so I think Bristol City are, are, are there or thereabouts of where we expected them to be at this time mm. we've spoken about it before mid-table five five well basically a whole new five-man defence that's including the, the, the goalkeeper yeah and yeah the good thing is we might see Bailey Wright and Frank Fielding involved at the weekend. Yeah, I did think when's Frank Fielding going to be back. It must be soon. Yes. He, um, again, it was interesting. He's back training, isn't he? Yeah, he wasn't involved yesterday either, was he? So I mm. don't know if that means he's going to have a, a game behind closed doors or whether he's just going to be pitched in maybe on the bench. On, involved yesterday with the... Saturday, against Crystal un- Palace. The unders. Yeah, under 23. Mm-hmm. So it was Max O'Leary in goal for that one. Just before we hear from Lee Johnson, what did you think of Dean Smith going to Aston Villa from Brentford? It's his boyhood club. He's from the Midlands. For family reasons, it makes sense. He said his ambition is to get them promoted. Is he going to be given as much time as he's had at Brentford? Great move for Villa in my eyes. Great move for Smith as well. Obviously, he wants to go back there. And sometimes I think fans get a little bit hung up on whether a manager's won things. I think there are a lot of good managers out there who are maybe working with a much reduced budget and it's tough for them to actually go on and win something. And that's the case maybe with Smith here, that he's not won something, but he's done a very good job. Yeah, and the potential Aston Villa think they see. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he can implement the way his idea of playing on Aston Villa, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe just two points. How does John Terry fit into all that? Because that seems a bit of a mishmash to me. Really random, considering that John Terry wasn't part of Dean Smith's backroom staff or anything at Villa. Uh, his assistant, Kelly, has gone with him from Brentford. But John Terry has almost just been shoehorned into this, hasn't he? Yeah, and just, I think Dean is going to be splashing the cash a little bit in January. Well, he might raid Brentford, maybe, and go and get some of his favourite players. But he's going to be a little bit tired by Villa's financial fair play, isn't he? Yeah, there'll be a bit of maybe trading to do there, but... OK, well, let's uh, get Lee Johnson's thoughts on Brentford right now under their new man, Thomas Frank. Well, obviously, I know that he's been integrated into the system. Um, I know that he's uh, sort of part of the furniture, if you like, and, and a key part of that furniture. And he would have brought ideas to the party that Dean Smith would have used. So, obviously, he got Brentford and the plaudits and uh, naturally he'll want to... Um, articulate his own artistic licence into the group but I'm sure he'll continue to do a lot of the the good work that the predecessor um, created under him and, uh, and, and when he was working for him so we know what they're about, yes there might be a couple of surprises, we respect Brentford uh, it'll be a good, a good test 
but we also believe that if we get the win, we go above them in the league table, and that's what we'll be striving to do. We do everything we can in our power to uh, to go there and get a win. Buoyed by I think a couple of thousand fans going, and uh, it'd be it'd be a great atmosphere on the day. And looking forward to uh, seeing my players be bright, enthusiastic, and uh, in what will be, I think, a good football game. Right, so that was Lee Johnson talking about Brentford, but he also revealed the extent of the keeper crisis at Ashton Gate. Nicky Minepard got injured last game. Frank Fielding is unwell. Here's what he had to say. Depending on how you look at it, we haven't had much luck or uh, have got a great opportunity for one of our academy products to play. Max will start at the weekend. Um, Nicky's out. He's going to be out for probably four to five weeks with an abductor strain. Um, Frankie Fielding, unfortunately, has had viral meningitis and has been in hospital for the last uh, three or four days, having just got back home yesterday and is feeling quite rough and in a bad way. Luckily, it wasn't bacterial meningitis, but it was um, viral meningitis, so we don't know with that one. Um, Max O'Leary, I think we should celebrate the fact that it's another academy player going to have their league debut. He's an excellent um, poster boy, if you like, for the academy and his personality and the way he trains. And uh, everybody deserves the opportunity and the chance, and he'll get that this weekend. We can sign an emergency goalkeeper because the rules state that um, <clears throat> if you haven't played five or more league starts you're not deemed as a professional if you like um, so therefore it is a possibility for us to do that and we may do that to fill the bench um, but uh, at this point in time um, let's celebrate the fact that we've got another academy product that we feel has got a big future getting a chance. Wow so Gregor difficult times for Lee Johnston in terms of keepers do you think he's going to bring anyone else in? Well I'm not sure personally whether Bristol City will definitely bring in a goalkeeper. If they did, I mean, they might look to a, a free agent, as Lee Johnson has hinted, and they might be looking at someone like Jake Keane, or if they went down that route, um, if they bring in someone on an emergency loan, then a name that springs to mind immediately is David Stockdale, of course, of Birmingham, who's in limbo at the moment, not in favour with Gary Monk there. And he actually uh, went on an emergency loan to Southend United recently. Obviously, Bristol City have got a few links with Southend, with um, Taylor Moore and Sean Mikulski on loan there. And if they don't bring in an emergency loan, and this is what I think is most likely, is that they'll give a, another young player, youth player, a chance. And that'll likely be either Jojo Wallacott, who's been out and had loan experience elsewhere. I think he had some time on out at Bath City. And if not him, then maybe Alhaji Cisse, who's 19 years old, and actually a Sierra Leone international. So they do have someone with a bit of experience there in the ranks. Someone, obviously, they deem not quite ready for first-team football, but someone who could maybe come in and sit on the bench behind Max O'Leary, who I have to say is quite an outstanding talent, goalkeeper-wise. And even though the club are being forced into fielding him, he is uh, a top talent around Ashton Gate and uh, very highly rated by those in the know around the club. So, Gregor, uh, we've spoken about the game at the weekend at length. Let's talk about the season so far. A quarter of the way through, who has been your standout performer? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, that, I think. I think there's been three or four for me. 
just been writing something about this actually I'm going to go with Josh Brownhill who I think has been outstanding in the middle however I would go for Marlon Pack as my most improved player of the season so far and I think he's been excellent too he looked tired though last game yes agreed maybe the last two games have been two games too far for him um, it's, it's a bit unfortunate that Bristol City don't have other senior players to come in into the middle at the moment with Corey Smith out for a long time and mm. Liam Walsh out of favour, so it seems. So, yeah, Marlon's had to soldier through. But I think, for me, just tips the balance over Nicholas Eliasson, who is another player who's massively improved. But, but Nicholas Eliasson isn't on the team sheet every week, is he? No, exactly. And I think it's what Marlon brings to the side as well. He's a leader. He's, he's a, such a huge influence in the dressing room. Uh, he, I think he's the man who picks all the dressing room music, mm-hmm. and uh, which is always a, a sign of uh, basically one of the top. Yeah. So he brings that to the pitch, doesn't he, for the Robins? Yeah, absolutely. And who has, I guess, unimpressed you? Who hasn't lived up? I think I know the answer to this from what we've just said. Who hasn't lived up to how you thought they'd be doing this season? Is it possibly from our Jiju? No, Jiju's done all right, actually, for me. Um, I thought Liam Walsh might get a few more minutes. He hasn't. I was looking at this today, and he's not had a single minute in the championship so far. Um, Lee Johnson did say in the summer that ideally he would have gone out on loan, and I think that's well. That's surely going to be something that they look at mm. in January, and he could be loaned out, obviously elsewhere. Maybe a League One, League One club for regular first team football. That must be massively disappointing for him, though. <clears throat> yes, yes, and. I think he's he's been on the bench a lot, hasn't mm. he? But obviously Lee doesn't hasn't trusted him completely. Otherwise, he would have got a few more minutes in the middle there because you just can't keep playing Brownie and Pack. So yeah, maybe maybe City need to recruit someone, bring someone else in there free agent? in January. Um, I'm thinking January maybe, and they spend. You'd still money. bring a free agent in now, couldn't you? Yeah, you could yeah, do, yeah, but there's no one really, is there? I don't think uh, no. I don't think there's going to be anyone out there who's going to. They're free for a reason there. Yeah, exactly. Um, really, yeah, add anything to the squad. I mean, one thing I mean I'd throw into that transfers wise is I thought it was interesting that Lee went to Portugal scouting, um, see some players at the end of the transfer window, and they the Robins were linked with Ryan Gould, I think it is of Sporting, mm-hmm. and maybe that could be something that happens in January. We'll have to see. The other mm. guy they were linked to heavily was. Isaac Hayden up at Newcastle, obviously, and he's a, a tall central midfielder, former England youth international, and he's got links to down this way. He was heavily tipped to maybe be of interest to the Robins, and that could be something to keep an eye on. And yeah, maybe if I throw it back your way, Michelle, is mm. there anyone or are there any positions you think maybe need strengthening in the general transfer <laughs> window already? It's difficult, isn't it? Because Bristol City are a medium-sized club in the championship. They're not in the echelons of sort of Aston Villa who are going to have financial fair play problems, but they can't go out like Nottingham Forest and spend millions and millions. But I would think they want to get in another central midfielder because Corey Smith isn't going to be back till springtime, is he? So they need someone in the central midfield as backup, as you said, uh, for Marlon Pack and Josh Brownhill. <sighs> we are blessed with wingers, but could we do with another quality winger? I wonder. Mm. And I don't think another striker would, would, would go far wrong either. Just on the striker, obviously, it was good to see Mo. I was going to say, where is, Mo, where is Mo Issa? Yeah, he, he Almost was... Almost the forgotten man at the moment. Yeah, he was involved yesterday and... 
Yeah, he's been injured, hasn't he? Um, but back in action, looking fit. Yeah, and played fairly well yesterday from what I understand and yeah it's going to be great to have him involved because he's a sort of player as well who, who came in and he had an instant impact okay he didn't score but he looked good he was getting into good positions mm-hmm. his first touch was excellent that's how I always judge a front player wasn't mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. touch like and I think there's more to come from him definitely so he's a sort of player that maybe could get the, the fans on the edge of the seats and um, maybe City could do, do with a sort of so a bit of excitement again to... Uh, it's all a bit predi- is it all a bit predictable at the moment? Um, I just think they're maybe missing that bit of X factor. I was looking at some of the stats and defensively they're doing all right and I, I'm reasonably encouraged by what I'm seeing this season. Four clean sheets already this year. Mm. Um, I think they've improved on last year, in fact, defensively mm. already. But it's up front, they need to score. I think they've hit 16 league goals this year, that's half of as many as West Brom who've scored the most. And yeah, if you want to be in the mix for the top side, you've got to take more chances. And they have had the chances. Uh, actually, Bristol City averaged more shots on target per game than any other side. Uh, or, or actually, sorry, I think they might be second. For that. Second. But, but, yeah, so they the get, they're team. obviously getting the, the chances. Exactly. But they haven't been taking them. Uh, the front guys maybe need to do a bit more there. Mm. Or they need to maybe look at bringing in somebody razor sharp in January. But... Yeah. Maybe they should bring in Ian Wright, who's helping out at Oxford at the moment, get the strikers firing. Maybe, or there's this French guy I've heard who's pretty hot, Lois somebody, I think, I can't remember his not name. Not Lois Journey. <laughs> he's, he's not turned back to coaching, has he? No, <laughs> no Lois Journey won't be coming uh, to the club in January, I think it's safe to say. Let's Before we talk about the international break, let's talk about Hull on Wednesday, bottom of the league. Uh, they are as we speak, and they're going to be... Hard pressed to uh, even get, get out the sort of the bottom three, bottom four, even with a win this weekend. It's been a terrible start to the season for Hull City, hasn't it? Yeah, Nigel Atkins has obviously got a really tough job to do there. Lost a lot of quality in the summer. Mm. Still got some good players there, I have to say. I like um, that Jared Bowen there. Yeah, I, I saw him play a couple of years ago when he was really young in the League Cup against Exeter City, and he was excellent then. So mm. they have got some good players. Yeah, but you've got to be looking at that game for three points mm. if you're Bristol City and to be honest that that is kind of perfect timing in my view that maybe they get the game at Brentford out of the way then mm. they play Hull and hopefully can get a win there and that sets them up for Stoke of the weekend yeah well that's going to be a big game as well Stoke have had an indifferent start to the season so we'll come on to that next week uh, before we go we've got to discuss if it's coming home or not the UEFA Nations League <laughs> What did you uh, think of England's two performances? The nil against Croatia to start with. Very weird to play in an empty stadium, wasn't it? It was. I thought it was brilliant against Croatia. Very unlucky not to get the win. Obviously had the best chances. Mm. Away game against a tough opponent. Mm. Did very well. Last night, what can you say? That first half, right up there. Unbelievable. I know it was compared to Germany 5, five one. England 1, yeah. which, by the way, I had... No, you've got that the wrong way around. It was, it was England 5, Germany 1. How could, I forget? How could I forget? Oh, Gregor. Uh, by the way, for that game, I had a ticket for that game and I gave Don't it away. Don't tell me you didn't go. I gave it away, yeah. Oh, my days. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, people comparing it to that epic win in Munich. Yep. But for me, yeah, it reminded me more of going back a little bit further when they beat um, Holland 4-1 in Euro 96. You see, so, I don't really remember Euro 96. Well, I remember it a little bit. But the first tournament I remember is France 98. Right. So you're showing your age there. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, moving on, though, in all seriousness, to that Spain game and seeing how well that 
England played in that first half. So it's sure how far they've come, because if you look at the World Cup, if you want to be super critical, and I, I don't like to be super critical of England, I think we should all get behind them and be positive, but not get too... A win there, and that sets them up for Stoke at the weekend. Yeah. Well, that's going to be a big game as well, for sake of it, an indifferent start to the season. So we'll come on to that next week. Uh, before we go, we've got to discuss if it's coming home or not. The UEFA Nations League. <laughs> what did you uh, think of England's two performances? The nil against Croatia to start with. Very weird to play in an empty stadium, wasn't it? It was. I thought they were brilliant against Croatia. Very unlucky not to get the win. Obviously had the best chances. Mm. Away game against a tough opponent. Mm. Did very well. Last night, what can you say? That first half, right up there. Unbelievable. I know, I know it was compared to Germany 5, five one. England 1, yeah. which, by the way, I had... No, you've got that the wrong way around. It was it was Sorry. England 5, Germany 1. How, <laughs> How could I forget? Oh, Gregor. Uh, by the way, for that game, I had a ticket for that game and I gave Don't it away. Don't tell me you didn't go. I gave it away, yeah. Oh, my days. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, people comparing it to that epic win in Munich. Yep. But for me, yeah, it reminded me more of going back a little bit further when they beat um, Holland 4-1 in Euro 96. You see, so, I don't really remember Euro 96. Right, I remember it a little bit. But the first tournament I remember is France 98. Right. So you're showing your age there. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on, though, in all seriousness, to that Spain game and seeing how well that England played in that first half. Does it show how far they've come? Because if you look at the World Cup, if you want to be super critical, and I, I don't like to be super critical of England, I think we should all get behind them and be positive, but not get too carried away. In the World Cup, who do they beat? They beat Sweden, Panama, and on penalties, they beat Colombia. And in normal time, the first group game, they beat Tunisia. Yep. So you look at the level of opposition there wasn't exactly high so to go to Spain away and beat one of these so-called yeah. yeah international powerhouses what does that mean for England going forward now I think it's a massive statement I think everybody now yeah can agree that Gareth Southgate is doing a good job it wasn't just a fluke that we got to the semi-final it's based on a, a huge amount of talent coming through in English football and I think that's kind of the wider point to bring it back to a Bristol City angle is that there is a lot of top young English players mm. um, really doing well at the moment. and They just need a chance. They do. And, I mean, it's fantastic seeing the likes of Lloyd Kelly the last few weeks. I mean, he was training with the England senior team, wasn't he, last mm. last week? So that bodes well for his future. Mm. Uh, Jada Silva, obviously, involved at under-21 level. Lloyd captaining the under-20s. So, what about Joe Bryan, uh, featuring England player, if he carries on one up for them? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, actually, because I was considering that myself... Earlier today, I was going through the England squad, and those guys are so young. I mean, the average age was, what, around 23 or something? It was 23 and a half. It was, was the it? youngest England team this century that played against Spain. Incredible, yeah. And also, at the World Cup, I think they were one of the youngest mm-hmm. squads, weren't they? They were indeed. Who knows? Maybe one day Lloyd Kelly and Jada Silva will be in that team. Right, we'll be back next week to reflect on the whole game. And, of course, the Brentford game this Saturday. A safe trip if you're going down. Like Lee Johnson said, a lot of fans going down. Myself and Gregor will be there as well, watching on for what should be a really exciting game. So we'll be back later next week. Thank you for listening. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services, based in Bristol, who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.